everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Titus 2 Talk, where we focus on teaching, equipping, and mentoring girls, young ladies, and women on how to live the life of a godly woman. And I am your host, Ariba Walker. Welcome back, everyone. We made it to the last part of this series of the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, these three particular fruit of the spirit uh, refer to the general characteristics of a Christian's life. So these are general things that we should have um you know, basically to walk the walk and to talk the talk as a believer. Faithfulness. To be faithful is to be full of faith. To be faithful is to be full of faith. It means to believe, trust, Be reliable, to be faithful to your word and promises. How many of you have been promised something but never received that promise? How many of you have promised somebody something and then you did not come through or you did not keep your promise? What does that do to your character? Do people look at you as reliable or a faithful person of your word and promises? So this is a two-way street. We can be promised something from other people and those promises can be kept or broken. Or we can make promises to people and we can keep them or we can break them. But then what does that say about our character? So what is God calling his people to do? In Revelations 2.10, it says, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. So it says, do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. In other words, stop being afraid about situations or circumstances that may be challenging. It says you will be tested. God will allow the devil to do certain things to test us. There is purpose in God's suffering. He uses suffering to purify us. That's in 1 Peter 1, 6-7. He uses suffering to make us more like Jesus. That's in Romans 8, 17. And he uses suffering to make us true witnesses of him. We will give him the glory once we come out on the other side. So anything that we do, any situation that we go through, circumstance, suffering, trial, test, whatever, temptation, God gets all the glory. Then it says, be faithful, even to the point of death. 
and I will give you life as your victor's crown. We must continue to trust him, abide in him, and rest in him. Because then our reward is the crown of life or the eternal life with God, the eternal life with Jesus. We are working towards that crown because it gives us eternal life with God and with Jesus. God is calling all of us to be faithful all of our earthly lives until death. So while we are walking this earth, while we are walking the walk, talking the talk, serving God, taking every step to get to our destination, he is calling us to be faithful. When we transition into the afterlife, we want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That's in Matthew 25, 21. We were given a calling. And when we get to the afterlife, we can say, or he can say, we did it well. We were dependable and we did what was expected. In other words, we were given a calling. He will say we did it well. We were dependable and we did what was expected of us. Now let's look at the opposite of faithfulness, which is unfaithfulness. In Luke 16, 10 through 11, it says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Hmm. If we cannot be faithful in managing the things that are least I mean, that includes very small tasks. If we can't manage our house, we can't keep our house clean. How is he going to bless us with a business? If we can't manage our grocery budgets, how is he going to give us the, the money to provide us the resources for the business? So if we can't be faithful in managing the things that are least, then we should not be trusted to be faithful in handling the things that are much. All of our riches or all that we have comes from the man above. We have a storehouse in heaven and God's waiting for us to access them. God is waiting for us to pray and ask for these resources. But if we are not managing them well, he's not going to bless us with them. He's not going to bless us with those resources that are just literally sitting in our storehouse. 
We have to show him that we value him for who he is. If we do not value him, then we can be assured that we will struggle with having faith in him because we're lacking trust in him. And our spiritual life should align with how we live out our daily lives. So whatever we are doing should be aligned with who God is. It should be aligned with the Holy Spirit. Because if it's not, all those things that God wants to bless us with, it's very hard for him for Him to, to bless us with them. It's very hard for us to access them because he's not trusting that we are going to manage those resources. So we have to practice being faithful and not unfaithful or lacking trust in who he is. Faithfulness is a virtue. When the time comes that your faith is challenged and it will be, I promise you, it's in the word. <laughs> We should be prepared to deal with those challenges with God's word. And at the same time, we should remain faithful until the end. When we experience challenges, I know I have experienced many, many challenges. There are times when I want to give up. There are times when I'm like, God, where are you? There are times when I'm like, God, can you give me a break? Can you just leave me alone just for a second? But in that time, I have lost faith. But what he's saying is we have to remain faithful until the end. We have to trust him until the end, until that trial is over. Or like I said before, until we transition into the heavenlies. Think about this. What about your life? Could it be looked at as a life of a faithful Christian? Can people see your life as trustworthy, dependable, and steadfast obedience? Or do people see you as uncertain, hot and cold, and unstable in all your ways? So think about that. Faithfulness is a virtue. The fruit of gentleness. Gentleness also means meekness or humbleness or to be modest. In Ephesians 4.2, it says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. We have already talked about 
the fruit of the spirit in regards to love. And this is basically saying, be patient, but be patient in love. James 3.13 says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Again, this is talking about being humble. And when you are being humble, you're able to accept things for what they are. You're able to put that pride aside and you're able to give yourself an opportunity to grow. And sometimes humbleness can hurt because we, we accept certain things that, you know, we pretty much are able to accept our mistakes and learn to grow from them. And so with that comes that gentleness, you know, I'm humbling myself. I'm learning to, to, to not lash out. I'm learning to uh, control myself a little more. I'm learning to uh, operate in, in a gentle spirit. How do we show gentleness? First Peter 3, 4 says, you should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. In other words, gentleness should come from within it is an inner beauty. It is not something that you are looking for. It is not something that you wear. It is a characteristic that just gets better with time. Your characteristics come from within. This reminds me of my grandmother. My grandma had those grandma boobs. I remember when my sister was little, when she was a baby, my grandma would just rock her on her boobs because my grandma, she had such a gentle spirit. You just wanted to be around her. You just wanted to sit around her. You just felt her gentleness. You felt her, her comfort. And that's what that is. And I mean, opposite is, you know, being around those people who are not so gentle, who you don't want to be around. They're not approachable. But that gentleness is, is that inner, that inward um, spirit where you feel that comfort around that person. So gentleness is definitely that inner beauty. We can also look at Galatians 6, 1. It says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. So gentleness is also about helping our brothers and sisters with restoration. When we have a brother or a sister that has been overtaken or has sinned, we are not to ignore it, but we are to restore it. Let me say that again. 
we are not to ignore it. We are to restore it. We are to focus on restoration or helping that person get back in order. We are to help that person get back on their feet. Sometimes in the church, we ignore the sin. Or we might correct them with harshness, a harsh attitude. We can start to gossip about that person, be very judgmental, and the list goes on. But we are supposed to come with a gentle mindset, not a harsh mindset. Restoration must always be done in a spirit of gentleness, meaning we are not to condemn. The Holy Spirit convicts us and corrects us with love. We keep seeing that word love. We do not condemn. We convict, we correct them, but we correct them with love because we want them to receive it. If you're harsh, that person may shut down. They may not even listen to what you say. They they, they may literally just, just shut you out. But when you come with that gentleness, with that love, most people are more open to receiving it. And they may not even receive it in that moment, but it'll at least soak in and they can meditate on it and, and actually take some time to think about what you were saying to them when you were correcting them in love. We want to come with full understanding of our own weaknesses though and corruption. So when we are helping to restore someone, we have to be mindful of our own weaknesses because we don't want to fall into whatever it is that we're helping them with. We got to have some boundaries there. So if we are helping to restore someone, we must guard against the temptation of pride as well as the same temptation the overtaken one has struggled with. So we cannot take all the credit for helping to restore the person. And we also have to be careful that we don't engage in the very sin that we are helping that person overcome. (laughs) So we cannot be like, oh yeah, I helped him or I helped her and you know, da, da, da. We can't take that credit. God may have led you to help that person or help restore that person, but it is through his word. It is through his guidance. It is through the Holy Spirit that we are able to even help that person. And at the same time, we have to make sure that we are not overtaken by that sin that they are dealing with. So if you have someone who is struggling with lashing out at people or, you know, being very harsh with someone, um, we have to make sure that when we are correcting that person, that we are also not being harsh with them. We have to be careful of how we are approaching them. Because that may have been something that we struggle with in the past and we may have overcame that. And when that sin is introduced again, we might easily fall back into that sin. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful of how we are approaching that person. And we have to be also have to be mindful of um, 
our own struggles. The gentleness of Christ. Matthew eleven twenty nine says, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. There goes that word humble and gentle again. All this scripture is saying is that we have to be willing to uphold the truth and expose the false. And we cannot have that spirit of fear while doing that. We have to be willing to speak against the false prophets. We also have to commend the right and oppose the wrong. And we also have to do all this with gentleness. So as Christians, we have to seek to be meek. And that is the fruit of gentleness. The fruit of self-control. We have made it to the last fruit of the spirit. But I would like you to think about this. Have you ever played the blame game because you lost control in a situation? Maybe you said, it's all your fault. Or, I had a difficult past and that is all I knew to do. Maybe you even said, she should have never called me that name or he should have never said that to me. Are we able to control ourselves or not? In the Webster's American Family Dictionary, it defines self-control as restraint of oneself or one's actions, feelings, etc. The ability to control oneself, in particular one's emotions and desires or the expression of them in one's behavior, especially in difficult situations. That's the key word, in difficult situations. So how should we respond to ourselves and others when such restraint does not happen? Well, you can find out the answer as you continue to listen. The lack of self-control. Let's take a look at the blame game in the Garden of Eden. God gave Adam commands to orient his life and his family. He said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Genesis 2 16 through 17. And as we go further in this story, this is where sin is introduced into the world. Genesis 3, 11 through 12. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man responded to God and said, or Adam responded to God and said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman or Eve, 
What is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. The command was clear from God, but Satan came along and tempted Eve. She reached out her hand and chose the forbidden fruit. So this is the blame game. Adam blamed Eve, his wife, for eating the fruit. And Eve blamed the serpent because she was deceived. In other words, deception and lies is the root of our sin. And when we are in a state of sin, it is hard to have self-control. So what do we do? We seek to resolve situations that are not of Christ. We seek to resolve situations that are not in line with the Holy Spirit. We seek to resolve situations externally and behaviorally. The call for self-control. In Proverbs, we learn a man without self-control or whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken into and left without walls. This is a picture of having no safety, no boundaries, and most of all, no protection. We need to be self-controlled and alert because what does the devil do all day long and all night? He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour, destroy, kill. 1 Peter 5, 8, we cannot allow the devil to rule our spirits. We have to allow Christ to rule over our spirit. If we do not allow Christ to be our wall or our protection, then we can become very, very vulnerable or weak for every attack that comes against us. Again, the devil is out to destroy us even through self-control. So we are all called to operate in the fruit of self-control. The power for self-control. When unbelievers say they cannot control themselves, then most likely it is true because they are going by their own will, by their own strength, and not by the Spirit. However, God has given Christians a spirit of self-control. 2 Timothy 1.7 It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Once again, it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This means the ability to control oneself or ourselves comes from the Holy Spirit by which we now live and in which we now walk. So from this scripture, let's look at the steps in conquering the lack of self-control or living out our lives daily with self-control.
Number one, the scripture says, God does not give us a spirit of fear. So we must understand that we are going to face situations that may cause fear or may cause us to feel anxious or cause us to feel timid. And most likely those can be situations where we are dealing with confrontation or facing confrontation or maybe feeling rejected, being made fun of, or being made to look foolish. But what we have to do is say to ourselves, God has not given me this. God has not given me a spirit of fear. This isn't from God. He would not make me feel like this. It could be that maybe you are under a demonic attack or maybe you have a weakness of the flesh like Eve did and Adam did. But we must remember that it is not of God. Fear is not of God. Number two, God has given us a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. So let me break down each part of these components. A spirit of power. God's power is supporting us as we do his work. God is omni. He has all power. He is present everywhere and he knows all things. So he is there with us every moment of the day. When we do his work, it is our job to represent his kingdom as we serve. He will never leave us or forsake us. So because God is omni, we have the spirit of power to serve him through him. Secondly, a spirit of love. People look at power in regards to how much they can control others or situations, but that is not what Jesus's power was about. It was about his love for us. He died for us. Jesus's power should be expressed in how much we can love and serve others. That is what his ministry was all about. Thirdly, a sound mind. He has simply given us a spirit of peace and internal peace. We have already talked about the spirit of peace or the fruit of peace. He has gifted us with a calm, self-controlled mind that is not of panic, fear, anxiety, confusion that may come from situations. So the moment you sense, feel panic, fear, anxiety, confusion, you should instantly know that that is the serpent like with Eve who's prowling around trying to cause some deception and bring some lies into your mind. Think about it. Feelings are like a gauge to help us know we are on the right path with the Holy Spirit or that we are aligned with the Holy Spirit. It could also mean that we are allowing the enemy to trick us 
by allowing our emotions to take over, which could lead to a lack of self-control. Overall, we have to learn to be bold when it comes to fulfilling God's purpose. We have to stand strong, stand firm, be steadfast. Fear will keep us from using the gifts that God has given us. God wants us to take his power, his love, his calm thinking to overcome fear and to be used to serve and live out our calling. In conclusion to this entire series, Samuel Chadwick, he wrote a book called The Holy Spirit. And what he does in there is he just summarizes all the fruit of the Holy Spirit in a very beautiful way, in a more modern way. And it says, in modern language, the passage in Galatians 5, 23 could read something like this. The fruit of the Spirit is an affectionate, lovable disposition, a radiant spirit and a cheerful temper, a tranquil mind and a quiet manner, a forbearing patience in provoking circumstances and with trying people, a sympathetic insight and tactful helpfulness, generous judgment and a big-souled charity, loyalty and reliableness under all circumstances, humility that forgets self in the joy of others, in all things self-mastered and self-controlled, which is the final mark of perfecting. This is the kind of character that is the fruit of the Spirit. Everything is in the word fruit. It is not by striving, but by abiding. Not by worrying, but by trusting. Not by works, but by faith. I pray that you will take every word, every episode, every moment that you have listened to this series and apply it to your lives daily. I pray that you're able to operate in practice, operating in the fruit of the Spirit. These are characteristics of God. These are characteristics that we need to function in to live out a Christ-like life. So I just pray that you are open to it. I pray that you are changed from it. And I pray that you're able to maybe pass this on to someone else and minister to someone else through this word. So with that said, be blessed.